Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast and Totally Lit podcast crossover, where we're going to bring you lots of literary goodness and podcast goodness straight to your ears. Today, Danny V, that's me, will be speaking to Kai Garvey of Totally Lit podcast, and the episode will be available on both podcast platforms. How are you, Kai? Hello, I'm super excited. It's like... (laughs) Podcasts unite. I I love that so much. It's not often you get to speak to podcasters. You speak to authors a lot. So when you speak to podcasters, it's very exciting. So I thought, you know, I'm always reading out other people's bios, but would you like to just introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Kai Garvey. I'm a children's author and podcaster. I have my first book coming out March 2023, which is a picture book. Um, I also host Totally Lit. And because I'm a sucker for punishment, I also host Mother of a Podcast. (laughs) So you can hear me everywhere at the moment. What's Mother of a Podcast? What do you talk about that? Um, that I co-host with Michelle Worthington, who is mm-hmm. also a picture writer, um, yep. but both of us also raise children on the spectrum mm-hmm. and we're a little bit um, on the spectrum ourselves. Um, uh, well, yeah, I'm a bit anxious at times, I guess is the closest I am to on the spectrum. Um, but we just wanted to reach out to other mums that who are going through the same thing. You know, their children have received a diagnosis and it's a case of, okay, what do you do now? And so we've kind of pushed our way through and now we want to bring all the other mums with us. Just mm. let them know it's it's okay. Yeah, no, that's really nice. I like those podcasts where you can find that community. And I think before, you know, the internet and before social media and podcasts, sometimes you could feel very alone, you know, when you're yes. having unique experiences. But now I think you get to find your own communities, which is amazing. Um, well, I'm Danny V. I host the Words and Nerds podcast, 500 episodes in, five years in. Five is a big number for me this year. Mm. <laughs> five, five, five. And um, also first picture book coming out with Larrikin House um, in August, August 1, I've My Extraordinary my Mom. Already. Oh, my already. It's exciting. Yes, I'm going to bring it along and get a signature this week yeah, as well. Yeah, great. That's so it awesome. It is just a beautiful, beautiful book. I really have oh. already fallen in love with it. Oh, that's so, so nice. Thank you. I'm super really? jealous of mum's hair in it oh, as well. Isn't she glorious? It's like I had this vision of her and then the illustrator made that vision about 100 times better. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was but amazing. The pictures are beautiful and the content is oh, fantastic. Thank you. It was something I was really passionate about. So it's funny, obviously you're nervous about whether people will like it but or it will resonate with people, but I think I just wrote it such from a personal and true experience mm. that that's just what you know that's what's on the page and that's how it is you know <laughs> so 
So well, you know what I loved is I my mum is a very quirky mum. She's an, an illustrator, um, and we were always doing wacky things when I was young. Um, and who I am is because of oh. my mum. And I really when I sat down and read your picture book I was like oh that reminds me of my mum and I think that's what's going to happen with everyone who picks that up is it's going to resonate with them yeah I hope so and I hope it just reminds people that you know mums are mums and we love being mums and it's such an important part of our lives but it's not all that we are you know and I think sometimes that gets forgotten so that was that's my current passion at the moment (laughs) well you know really um who you are like you're being a mum but you're also being a podcaster and a writer um sometimes finding yourself is good for your kids so Mm. you you doing you is a great way to be a good mum to your kids as well yeah I think so too and I always sort of said to my kids you know everyone in this household is an equal valuable member you know there's not Mm. one person that you know I think sometimes you get caught up taking kids to 100 million different activities and you don't get any time for yourself and I know we're all trying to do the best for our kids and give them all the things that you know we didn't get or we wanted or you know try and give them a really good life etc but I almost think I'm a better parent if I do take time out for myself because you feel Mm. rested you feel like yourself and then you're able to be that better parent I think but I think it also helps your children find their identity they're seeing you find your own identity um because I think sometimes mums especially just get lost you know we're just raising the kids and just living life and there's a point where you you sort of go oh who am I once my kids are older and I'm because my son is 19 and my younger son is 16 I'm really at a point where they don't need me as much and I've sort of got to look around and go oh who, who am I now that if they don't need me what do I do? Um, Luckily, I've been embedding myself in the writing community and (laughs) I've I've already found myself. (laughs) Yeah, but it's interesting. I I spoke to someone the other day and I think this is really interesting that you'll never be the same after you have children. So it's almost like Mm. a part of you has been dismantled almost. But then when you come out of that fog of motherhood, I find it really interesting that then you get to recreate who you are, you know, and you're never going to be the same. You might take some aspects of that, but having, you know, children is for me was quite a life-changing massive thing and massive responsibility as well. You know, you're only ever responsible for yourself before and sometimes that didn't always turn out great. (laughs) Now you're responsible for these little people as well. That's a big deal. And so I think, you know, part of you changes and it's it's interesting then post-motherhood, like post-young motherhood, you know, what you take with you and what you don't take with you and then what you recreate for yourself. I find that really interesting about the dismantling and recreation. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've really been going through that the last five years. Um, I'm like, okay, who do I really want to be in life? What do I want to leave behind mm. as a legacy, I guess? Um, and I've really been focused on writing and I've been pushing and pushing and it's hard work. <laughs> and it's sort of a thankless kind of um passion to have as well because um you might get sort of one hit with a submission mm. and then there's all those other submissions and and things that you've written that may never see the light of day um and you've got to love it I think yeah that's one thing we all have in common with writing is that we love it and it's our passion 
Um, so we keep doing it even though the rewards are few and far between sometimes. <laughs> and I feel like um, I feel like it's a constant hurdle race, you know, so you write something and someone likes it and then you have to get it signed and then you get it signed and you have to edit it. And all these are, you know, these are great things that you do and I, I love the editing process. But then, you know, the book comes out and then you go, oh, I've got to, I've got to sort of help sell it you know like I think as yes. an author you've got to do your part as well and you've got to you know get out there and go out to bookshops if it's a children's book go out to schools and go to um you know do signings or whatever what interviews things like that and so I think you know it's it's constantly the next hurdle the next hurdle the next hurdle mm-hmm. and then all of it's always that's done. It, it is always a grind and a hustle mm-hmm. like and, and it's a good grind and it's enjoyable grind but you know you you try and sort of promote your book the best way you can. And I, I don't know that there's a secret formula to it. If there is, please, someone let me know. <laughs> Start a podcast. <laughs> but then you can't talk about your own book on your own podcast. No, it's like, a bit embarrassing. Interview yourself. Um, like, I don't think, well, you know, There, there are know. times when I'm chatting to an author and I'm like, oh, I'm talking about myself too much. I need to talk more about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting, but um, yeah, I think the podcast was something that helped me um have those conversations I was really missing and really wanted to have about you know something that I'm really interested in, and so that sort of became my recreation of myself, you know. And I've taken a lot of things with me, but I've also discarded a lot of things, and I'm happy about the things that I've discarded, you know. And I think that's okay to keep recreating yourself. You know, people talk about when you're in your teens or 20s, the coming of age, but I reckon you should always be coming of age. You know, you should always be reflecting, reimagining, recreating, and, you know, have those hard conversations with yourself, which I think is really hard about the things that maybe you could be better at, or you could, you know, just be that better person. You know what I mean? I think they're really hard conversations to have, but really valuable. And once you have them and they're quite confronting, I think then you can, you know, move through and hopefully become, you know, keep becoming a better person, hopefully. Well, I think that's one thing about writing and podcasting is um, that self-examination about sort of understanding who you are. Um, And I did have someone, my psychologist, ask me recently, why why are you writing? Why? Because I work full time. I'm raising my boys with special needs. Life is chaotic all the time, all yep. the time. Um, and yet I'm sitting up at night. I'm just on a Zoom for this course or I'm, I'm just on this. Um, I've got to write this 500 words. Um, I'll squeeze that in in my lunch break. And she's like, why are you doing that to yourself? You, you don't have to. But it's who I am. Like mm. I'm, I'm, I've fully moved, transitioned into my identity as a writer. It's my passion. I'm going to make it work. So and it's it worse not mean... to do it. You know, people always mm. comment that as well. You know, you're so busy, blah, 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 which, you know, I, I kind of need to be busy for the type of brain I have, you know, the anxious mm. brain. If I don't use that energy, I like to call it that anxious energy. And if I don't channel it into something positive, it's not good for my mental health. Yeah. Um, look, sometimes I do do too much and that's also not good for mental health. <laughs> I do have to be careful, but it's almost worse for me not doing it. So if I mm-hmm. rest or if I do whatever and I don't podcast or I don't give writing a crack, for me, that's worse than being busy. You know, mm-hmm. one of my worst, one of my biggest fears was, um, you know, getting to, I always, I always see life as 98 year old daddy, right? And I'm like, what would 98-year-old Danny think? Most of the time, 98-year-old Danny's like, just do the thing, lady, just go for it. Mm. You know, and I think sitting there 
And if I was 98-year-old Danny, I think I'd regret not doing the podcast, not doing the writing, you know, not doing those things, at least not giving them a crack because there's no guarantees with any of this. There's no guarantees that people are going to listen to your podcast or like it. There's no guarantees that your book's going to do anything. Um, you, but you just do it because it's worse not to do it. Yeah, yeah. How, how much of the mum in My Extraordinary Mum is you? Oh, that's an interesting question. I really wanted it to be representative of every mum and that's why I had the, mm. a sort of a quieter moment in the book as well where they're just eating chocolate cake in the lounge, which is also me. Um, so I guess the activity she does, you know, I do rock climb and I roll a blade. I haven't done any break dancing in the supermarket. I might need to try that. Um, Wait so for a good song to come on. <laughs> oh, Cole's no radio. Come on, my favourite <laughs> radio station. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say a lot. I'd probably say, yeah, a bit. Um, but what I tried to do was really be representative of all the women in my life and all the women I know and sort of capture that spirit of all the amazing women that I know that I don't think are celebrated enough. Yeah, yeah. That's the truth of it, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what I kind of want to change the narrative of things too. You know, like there's a narrative about mothers. There's expectations of mothers that we put ourselves last, that we sacrifice everything for everybody else. And that's obviously very bad for us. You know, there's a narrative about single mothers. There's a narrative about aging women, you know, where they become invisible. And I think it's our job to just have these conversations as women and continually push back against those narratives that have somehow been created for us, not by us. And I think too that myth that if you put any self-care or effort back into yourself that it means you don't care or love for your family, you know, like I think that's a really negative stereotype Um, and that a lot of women are feeling like, oh, I can't do this for myself because I've got to do everything for my family. Um, And and it's been tough. Like it's, you know, I just want to acknowledge the tough things, you know, not only do you have to be this amazing engaged mother who takes your kids everywhere and then, you know, there's the expectation, you know, not in my life, but, you know, you feel that pressure to have that beautiful house and then you've got to have a rock solid marriage and then you've got to be able to also, you know, that bouncing back after childbirth and apparently go back to your old clothes (laughs) and you can't age and it's just a lot. You know, it's a lot of stuff that you've got to process when you're just trying to be a mum, be a good person, trying to find your identity, and you've got all these other things constantly being thrown at you. You know, I remember those magazines in the 90s, which I was addicted to, you know, like Dolly Cosmo, all that kind of stuff. But whenever you read it, it was like, get rid of your cellulite, lose five kilos, make your skin clear. And it's like you have to be all these perfect things and so much of a woman's value has always hung upon her appearance you know and she's got to do all that stuff you expected to and it's just you get to a certain age my age and you just go enough like I've had enough you know surely surely I'm good enough like and if I'm not I just I can't keep grinding that anymore like it's it's too hard but celebrating that inner value as well like things like if you're funny or intelligent or a great podcast interviewer those things are of value whether you're a man or a woman it shouldn't matter what 
you look like while you're doing it or <laughs> you know if you're juggling all of the family in the background at the same time um you know um and as you've seen yeah, me do be, yes <laughs> in the last 10 seconds <laughs> I've got my eye on the door here in the office. I'm like, oh, who's going to burst through the door any minute? I've given up trying to just, you know, they just, I'm, I say I'm on a podcast and they look at me like, so what? <laughs> I need this. That's not important. Well, so what, mum? I don't care. I need this thing. <laughs> I think that's one thing that I've found very grounding um, is I have my podcast and I'm so excited that I've got a book contract and my sons are just so unfazed by it. They're like, so like, these are the things I've been working all my life for. Yeah. I was <laughs> I celebrated so value <laughs> I celebrated like fifty two thousand listens, right? Or plays or whatever it was in the month. And my kids were like, Oh, that's not as much as my favorite YouTuber, blah blah blah. I'm like, Come on. Can't, <laughs> compare, right me. Down to earth, I can't compare me to a Minecraft YouTuber. That's not an even playing field. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> to the podcasts yeah we i know i love these tangents we go on but for people who haven't listened to totally lit podcasts give us an elevator pitch as to what what's what it's about what's your philosophy um totally lit is a monthly podcast that has suddenly become weekly yeah you'll find becomes addictive you'll be dropping them all the time soon celebrating reading writing and all things literature. Um, originally, it started because I was writing and feeling the need to create, and podcasting gives you like an instant result. I yeah. guess I was submitting picture books, and there were times where I'd get a response in twelve months, and I'm like, "This is not going to work for me. <laughs> I need some some more creative feedback." But I also understood that I can't control that submission process, that it will just happen when it happens. Mm. Um, what else can I do to keep myself sane and feel like I'm creating? Yeah. Um, and I'd been a true crime podcast fan for a, a long time, but I didn't want to put in the amount of research into stories that I knew I would have to. I, I just don't have that time. Yeah, so it's I'm like, like oh, being could... a full detective slash journalist, isn't it, though, yes, those yes. Um, podcasts? Um, I loved listening to them, but mm. I knew that I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to produce something I'd be satisfied with. I would fall into a rabbit hole and never, yeah, <laughs> never come yeah. out. I was like, oh, I'd like to, to do something around writing, um, but to encourage those aspiring authors out there that are in that position of, okay, I'm trying to make my way into the industry. It's really hard work. And I just wanted to bring everybody along for the ride with me. Um, so I interview Aussie authors um, and I ask them questions about their process, how they got to where they're going. Sometimes I'll ask them about writer's block or we'll just have a good natter about their book. Um, but I always try to have tips within the um, podcast for writers that are, are trying to make their way into the industry um yeah just so i'm sure there's more people out there like me going insane <laughs> trying to submit and i'm just like okay don't give up and i think that's really the message i wanted to give to those writers mm. is just keep going yeah it's hard and when you're talking about acquisitions like i'm kind of on both sides now so i have a, a crime novel that i was asked to rewrite for a publishing house and they've had that for you know quite a long time and that's fine well, I'd like to be. <laughs> oh my God, that's so exciting. <laughs> Love it. So, 
the publisher asked me to rewrite it and so I did that and you know it's it's a big deal writing 90,000 words so I understand yeah. you know that they're taking their time and they've got many other things to do but I understand both sides because even though I'm yeah. thinking you know is this going to get over the line is this not going to get over the line then I work in acquisitions for Larrikin House and I read the slosh pile and you know you you don't want to take so long to get back to people but it's just the nature of it because unfortunately the slush pile is not the first priority and you know as a writer I hate to hear that or think that but there's so much you have to do in the production of a book and I don't touch the production or visual side that's not any of my talents none of my talents lie there so I'm publicity and acquisitions and and you know occasional sort of big picture editing crystal does all the really amazing fine detail editing on sort of the big picture stuff um and all of that stuff has to come first if you want to get this book out and then publicity I'm you know realizing is such a massive job and encompasses so many things you know yeah it's social media of course yeah it's radio stations and magazines and newspapers and interviews but it's also literary festivals and it's connecting with readers and connecting with aspiring writers and it's um just so much you know it's getting connections with people to create competitions like the squibby competition we just had so marketing is is kind of as big as your imagination can be you know and so once you do all of that stuff then you'll go okay let do we have time you know to do the slush pile and you just see it growing and growing and growing and um so I, I guess I see it from both sides that it is it's hard and it's disheartening when you don't here for a while but you know particularly with a smaller publishing house like larrikin house there's just you just have to prioritize you know and there's mm. what five of five core of us in the team you know and um yeah like we we have to get all the other stuff done or books don't come out <laughs> i have loved the way larrikin house has been running their workshops every week um i've found that really engaging and helpful and it just makes the team feel really approachable as well. I think um, that can be really hard as an aspiring author when you're sort of sending stuff out into the ether, you don't even know who it is that you're sending it to. And then, yeah, in 12 months time, they might go, oh, thank you, that was a lovely story, but it's not right for our publishing house. Um, whereas um, what you guys have been doing, it, it feels like you can build a relationship with you guys, which I think is, is just lovely for authors out there. Um, and I know you'll get submissions like some of mine, which aren't quite the right fit, but, but it also means that if I bump into you out into the out in the world, I can come up and say hello to you and go, yeah, oh, hi, yeah. I know you from here. And it might be that my work is not right for you guys, but you might know someone that it's a fit Exactly, for, you know? exactly. So and I always think that, yeah, I think the relationships you create now, not that you want something from all the connections you have, but, you know, often years later, you'll be able to connect in a different way, you know. But yeah. I guess we're trying to do something differently, you know, because we are a small publishing house, you know, the idea is, well, we get to be more creative, you know, and creators have more creative control. So, you know, what we can't do, be budget you know blockbusters whatever what we can do is be really creative in everything that we do and we can establish really good connections with writers you know the reality is as we know one percent of slosh pile gets published like that's the reality you know and it's like you said it's not because it's a it's a necessarily a bad manuscript it's either it's, it's a couple of things right it's either not 
on brand this is just our publishing house it's not on brand or we just publish something very similar or are about to or at the end of the day like if we're only publishing 20 books a year you've got 20 slots and it might have made it 21 but didn't make it in the 20 you know like Mm. there's so many reasons and I think you know aspiring writers you know I still feel kind of aspiring myself I mean my book's not out till August but you know you've just got to I guess understand that it's not it's not you it's not personal you just yeah. got to keep writing keep grinding keep doing it keep turning up and eventually yeah. eventually someone the right person will be a fit for you you know and so yeah. I guess that's what we're trying to do differently and a lot of people including myself don't know exactly what publishers want and so by putting on these workshops James is basically telling you like this is what I want and this is how I want it done and if yeah. you know, he's gonna mm-hmm. spend 15 grand on a you know to produce your picture book you know this is what he wants and yeah. sometimes it is a really hard call because you know we'll love the concept and you know we'll we'll think this can work but then you know it's just a matter of oh, we know we've exceeded our books for this year or, oh, we had something really similar come out or, you know, now we're publishing junior fic and graphic novels. And so it's a tough industry, but it's not it's not about the talent of the person. It's so much yeah. about timing and the right manuscript and being on brand and a million other things, you know. So we really hope we can keep, you know, the Larrikin community um, and keep building those connections, you know, for mm. for forever you know because you know we want to celebrate all of your successes even if it's not necessarily with us you know let's celebrate Mm. all successes and all children's lit and um you know we're kind of all in this together because just because you get one book deal the next one's not guaranteed (laughs) (laughs) that's my my feeling at the moment I'm like okay I've got one coming out in March I really need to have something else out there ready to go because the process does take yeah. quite a while and so if you're wanting to make it a business that your business you do have to keep submitting yeah. and keep working That's and right. doing all of the marketing stuff around it to, to get sales as well yeah. um sometimes it feels too big to think about yeah sometimes it <laughs> but, does feel big <laughs> um but yeah there's times too though when you just write something and go oh I loved writing that I loved doing that mm. um that felt and really good you know what? I'm okay with things that that either get rejected or don't see the light of day like it hurts a bit when it's 90,000 words mm. but <laughs> in a picture book that's you know, a lot of time, <laughs> lot of time. <laughs> it is what it is um but I think I just see it as a learning process you know and, and some manuscripts I've kind of been asked to sort of help with the big picture stuff and you get really attached to the story even though it's not yours but then that's okay because you walk away and go that's okay that was a great experience and all the stuff I've learnt through you know making that better or working with the author well then you know I can take that into my next writing so I've got a bunch of uh, manuscripts that aren't going to see the light of day that have been parked which I think means just nicely not they're not going to be published. We'll just put them in this folder. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I shelve them. So, yeah, I understand. Which is <laughs> fine because I always think the next thing you write is is a, a culmination of all those experiences, you know, and, and you mm. can't expect everything you write to get published. That would be ridiculous. Um, be great, but it would be ridiculous. <laughs> and so you just got to, you know, whatever the right thing at the right time for the right publisher, you, know, you just got to believe that you keep doing it it's going to happen and I think it will I think it will if you if you just keep learning and keep being open to it and just holding those words loosely I think learning is a key there like um sometimes I write something first draft it 
go somewhere. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that was gold. Then there's other times where I really have to work on something. And I'm like, oh, this is hard work. But I need to learn how to do this because the publisher is going to ask me, they're going to come back with changes and I need to learn how to accept the changes and take criticism because it's got to be a product you can sell. Yeah. You know, so. I think that's what I find from the slush and I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I just feel like um, there's there's a first or second draft that's been submitted, you know, and I, I reckon that for a slush pile you need to be sending in like the 20th version Mm. (laughs) because the reality is like the last time I looked we had 110 sitting in there and you know I'll go and cull and you know then give James the list that I've culled and then by the time I've done that there's 110 more (laughs) (laughs) so it's like it's it's competitive Mm. you know so I think whatever you submit you've got to really believe in your heart of hearts that you've really worked as hard as you can on it and of course it's going to get edited of course it's going to get changed but have you taken it as far as you possibly can and maybe you have and it's just not right for the publishing house that's fine but that's the question like have you taken this as far as you can I think that's a really important question so I do have a question for you about words and nerds how did it come into being what what was the day that you went, I'm going to start a podcast? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I was, um, you know, two little kids and I was working part-time and, you know, I'd done my job for a really long time so I didn't feel it very challenging anymore or fulfilling anymore in a way that I used to. And I guess I just craved um, those conversations that you have with people about, particularly about books and being an English mm-hmm. teacher and an English nerd, I'd always loved analysing text and asking questions and I just thought, wouldn't it be cool if you could just ask the author what you wanted to know about their book? Mm-hmm. And my friend, he had a Bake Off um, MasterChef podcast where he speaks to contestants and he's like, just oh, do it. Like, yeah, um, he's like, just do it. And I'm like, okay, all right. So he sort of guided me through it. He was a co-host for a bit. And then he sort of stepped out because him and his wife do, you know, the Bake Off one and, you know, they love doing that. They're foodies. And then I sort of just did it on my own. And then it was kind of just born like that. And it, I, I had no expectations of it. I thought, well, all I wanted was to have interesting conversations about the things that I'm interested in, books and yeah. authors. And then it just kind of, it, it kind of, like if I track it, which is hard, you kind of just see these little points which were little tiny game changes but when you add Mm. them all up together I guess that's how you sort of build your listenership so I think the first one was you know Jackie French I think she was like Mm. my 10th guest or something and once you say Jackie French has been on your podcast people are listening to you and going oh okay well I'll come on to your podcast and then you just have a couple of high profile people and then 2020 was a real game changer for this podcast because Mm. lockdown um people were inside or they were were walking and they're often listening to podcasts and as well as that a lot of book launches were cancelled obviously Mm -hmm. so I really tried because I was working from home because of COVID as well every day and I was just thought okay I'm going to help the community out here as much as I possibly can in my little tiny space and just do loads of interviews of all the books that have been in launches that have been cancelled and all the signings that have been cancelled let's come on and have a chat and so I started doing like oh, four interviews a week. And I was like, this is only temporary. Oh my God. This is only temporary. This is only while COVID's happening, right? 
And oh, what? chill just went down my spine. I'm still doing four interviews a week and it's 2022. Oh, superwoman. Oh my no, goodness. I'm trying to slow down, right? Trying, mm. I, I find A, I need to get better at saying no, but it's yes. really hard because I don't ever want to say no to the people who helped me build this podcast. And they mm. were my really yeah. early guests who went, you don't know you from a bar of soap, but hey, I'm going to come on. And they helped build what it is because if they hadn't have come on, you know, I wouldn't yeah. have had a show. And so I never want to say no to past guests who helped me build this. Um, but then all these debut authors, I know what it's like to be a debut author mm. and how hard it is to get your name out there. And then I see these really interesting books. I'm like, oh, I can't say no to anything. So instead of saying no, what I've tried to do is get people to do takeovers. Like yeah. traditionally published authors can interview another author. Um, as well as that, I've got the spin-offs. So, you know, if, if it's not quite right for me, I'll be like, oh, talk to Nathan J. Phillips, who hosts, mm. you know, the regular and he can talk about the more sort of indie books or smaller publishers and or fantasy. He's got the kind of freedom to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And then we've got, you know, Ben's Burgers, Books and Beers, Burgers, Beers and Books. He calls it something different every time <laughs> where he has a really relaxed chat with an author about their favourite book. And, you know, we've got RWR McDonald's um, podcast um, looking at, you know, examining authors who are queer and writers of queer fiction. So that's amazing. We had Michael Wagner do his thing about writing. I've got Lynn Yowett coming out with one. And I'm currently doing a, a little project with Sarah Bailey, tracking her um, manuscript from now till Christmas to see if she can finish her manuscript. Amazing. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. So just, the, you know, doing a couple of things to try and, you know, still have the content and still try and celebrating as many authors as I can, um, but not creating all the content myself because, mm. A, I don't think people want to listen to me all the time and B, I just don't have the time. And I think it's cool. Like what Ben does, for example, like I can't do what Ben does. And I love listening to his podcast because it's so chilled. It's so laid back. It's just has no, not a care in the world. <laughs> and I just, I love that, you know, and yeah. I have way too much energy to do that. But if he can mm. do that on the Words and Nerds platform and create something completely different and awesome, like that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I I'm, think every podcaster has their own like personality yeah. um, that makes each episode sound really different as yeah. well. Um, and that's one thing I've really had to work hard at because I, my original idea with being a podcaster was I can be hide behind this and no one will know who I am, but you can't get listeners if you don't put yourself mm. in the podcast. That's and I've so really funny. had to learn yeah. how to be brave, like, because I used to be this scared, little, anxious, shy girl. I just want to write and nobody will ever know who I am. And you can't do it. And, That's exactly. It's been great. It's, yeah, that was me, I, I did the same thing. I thought it's not about me. Who am I? Nobody even knows who I am. It's about the author, about the author. And then I kept getting messages going, oh, well, what about you? Who's the host? Mm. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And so you start sharing a bit of yourself and then, you know, just sort of, changes from there but i found that really interesting too because i don't know one's going to care about you but then when you think about it if people are going to and time is the most precious thing we have hmm. and if people are going to give you their time and their ears for 20 30 minutes you have to sort of respect you know their time and go oh yeah okay well yeah. i guess i guess you should know who's talking in your ears i guess but i was surprised by that as well um but it's very satisfying to get to the end of a recording with an author and them go oh thank you I really enjoyed your questions that was a great interview mm. it's like oh I did that 
<laughs> so it's good when you find what you enjoy. Yeah, and it's just for me, I've really right. enjoyed it. It's just about being genuinely interested in people, you know, mm. and I didn't really have a plan, which I think is good. It was just, I just want to have great conversations with people mm. about the life and about how the book was created and about what lights people up, you know, and a bit about writing as well. And I just find the conversations, I allow them to go anywhere and everywhere yeah. because yeah. I always say to the author, this is your interview. If you just want to stick to the book, that's cool. If you want to traverse and go all over the world, let's do that. And so I, I do have questions, but I much prefer it to be um, an organic conversation where you just pick up where the last person's left off and you just, mm. and they're the best conversations. You get to the end and you go, wow, that was a complete surprise that we, you know, talked about all these different things. And, you know, it's interesting. The more you learn about other people and, and their books and what lights them up and where their inspiration came from, I think the more you learn about yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. That's that's very true. Um, and also, <laughs> I learn all the things I'm doing wrong because I'm always like, okay, how do you push through? How What are you doing to write every day? And I I know I'm still not learning. Like, I'm hearing the same thing from the authors. <laughs> Successful authors do this, and I am not doing that yet. <laughs> so, and it's your own uh, journey too, though, you know. I mean, if there was a right and wrong handbook for writers, we'd all be, you know, reading it and memorizing it but you've just got to, you know I've I've met all the pantsers who want to be planners and all the planners who want to be pantsers and I think you've just got to be who you are you know yeah. whatever that is whatever works for you you've just got to do that so what's next for Danny V there's lots of adventures ahead of you <laughs> yeah um I don't like to plan too far ahead because I still like surprises you know I don't want to have yeah. everything locked in so in that way I'm I'm a bit of a pantser in life <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna, I feel like I love doing the podcast. I probably need to slow down a little bit so I can, you know, attack my own creative endeavors of writing. That'll make me a bit sad though, cause I hate saying no people. Um, but yeah, I, I want to continue the podcast for as long as it has a life. You know, I think I, I don't know where it's going to go. How do you know, you know, you have 52,000 plays every month and then one day it could double or it could have no listeners anymore and so I guess in my brain I'm just prepare, preparing myself for whatever outcome it is I mean it's exceeded every expectation I ever had for it anyway in its five years hmm. and you know whatever happens in the future is beyond my control I guess so I want to keep doing it as long as people are listening <laughs> doesn't seem like it's going down yet <laughs> we'll see um, but I do really want to give a crack at at the writing in a serious way, you know, and I am mm. writing as much as I can. I, I can't say that I'm writing every day. I'd like to be, but I just don't have the time and I have to be okay with that. Um, I do write in the cracks of life. You know, I don't sleep very much. I don't need much sleep. And so I do write, you know, when my kids are totally watching TV, <laughs> my, my kids are, you know, watching TV. If I'm on, I'm on a fair few planes lately. So if I'm on the plane or even if I'm in traffic, if I have to go into the office, I'll put my voice me memo thing on and I'll just, if I have an idea, I'll just speak into that. So the ideas are always swarming around my head. Um, I'd really, really love to get a junior fic off the ground but it's yep. one of those things that you don't know if you can do it until you do it <laughs> and That's so, it. 
Yes. I'm so. sort of like, am I capable of writing a piece of work that is more than 500 words? <laughs> Sometimes I'm thinking, am I even capable of doing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see your book behind you, so <laughs> you're doing was, something right. Was that a fluke? I'll, I don't know yet. Yeah, and I just, I think picture books are harder to write than I guess some people give them credit, mm. you know. Um, I'm not saying that writing 90,000 word crime was easy. That was really tough. But I think in a picture book, every single word is on display. And so I remember playing a lot with words in My Extraordinary Mum. And it was fun doing that. But it was also a lot of, a lot of thought and a lot of pressure because every single word matters in a picture book because there's only, you know, 500 or less and so you can't waste words, you can't repeat words unless it's, you know, you're deliberately doing it. Your ideas have got to move through. You've got to be able to tell this story within such a short period of time. It's got to be engaging and got to have buy-in for the kid. Is there a message behind the fun? Are you going to rhyme? Is it prose? Like there's actually so much going on. Mm. And I think you know i'm sure most writers appreciate that but i think it's just something really interesting to talk about that that fun picture book that you read to your kid at night there's just so much going on in it (laughs) well i think too that people also go oh you're just a picture book writer and it's like that was so much hard work (laughs) to produce that and to get it right and to show don't tell and not be too didactic um, and because a lot of the picture books I've written drafts of they're about my sons with autism mm-hmm. um, and really they're just love letters to my boys mm-hmm. the things that have happened to them but they do have a message because that's what they lived I guess mm-hmm. um, but finding a home for them is really challenging and I'm sure I will one day I'll find the right place but it's sort of like well then I'm not just a picture book author mm-hmm. like I created that. It was really yeah. um, a lot of work. Um, and there's people that are very skilled at, at writing those. Um, I'm not sure and if it's very me. But <laughs> and very successful. You know, you look at yeah. Aaron Blaby and Matt Cosgrove, like they're incredibly talented people. And they're all wonderful. Like I found the kid lit community so lovely yeah. and encouraging yeah. um, and just, yeah, really helpful. And I'm like, oh, this why didn't I start doing this early? <laughs> <laughs> I think writers in general, though, because you know the struggle. It's a solo pursuit a lot of the time and you do put your soul and heart onto the page and then sometimes those things never see the light of day. And so I think there's a lot of um, camaraderie between writers because we know the struggle and even though we celebrate our books, you know, like it was so easy. <laughs> This this beautiful book was so easy to put together, you know, because everyone just sees the beautiful book on socials. But I think we all know the secret struggle and hardship and, and life and tears and sweat behind each beautiful book cover. And so I think we have that kind of secret society that we all stick together and we all support each other mm-hmm. because we know just how hard it is. And I, I genuinely love being a cheerleader for other people. Yeah. Like I genuinely love doing that and celebrating it. And you know, I, I hear in the news, oh, we can't celebrate this or we should celebrate this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Celebrate everything. Like, why would you put a limit on celebration? Like, who are you? <laughs> but the thing too is like, especially if it's been your lifelong pursuit, 
to get a published book and you finally get there I'm like yes you did it yeah exactly <laughs> share it with everybody that's right and whether it's your first book or your hundredth book it's still hard you know and there's mm. there's di- I imagine there's different expectations and different hardships as you continue your career so and you know what it doesn't it doesn't cost anything to give a genuine celebration a genuine compliment or a genuine shout out to someone like it costs you zero you know, and it makes you feel so good about it. I'm a massive compliment giver and I never do them unless they're genuine, right? But I'm just, I think, you know, in life, think about how many compliments you got today or this week. Mm. You know, they'd be few, right? Yeah. And I remember people, you know, they say to you, you look through photos or whatever, and they're like, oh, I remember you, you were so funny that day. You look so nice in that dress that day. I'm like, why didn't you tell me then? Like, I needed <laughs> that day. You yeah. know? Like, I needed that then. Um, and so I think if you think it, you got to say it, you know, if you think, if you think something genuinely good about someone else, tell them, don't wait for the eulogy, you know, tell them, you know, and I, I I feel like I've, I've been to funerals where they say these beautiful things about people. And in my head, I'm like, I hope you said this to the person when they were still Mm. here, you know, and that's a big thing for me, just telling people how you feel. And it was funny. I'll tell you a secret. I probably shouldn't be doing this, but my son, he said you know what what do you do if you want to tell someone you love them and I said you just tell them just and say he, it and he said but what if they don't love you back I said that's unfortunate it but matter. it doesn't matter it doesn't mean <laughs> that you don't tell them anyway yeah and I just thought if you if you feel it and if you think it and it's genuine you just say it you yeah. know mm-hmm. well Sorry. even me doing a crossover with you tonight like I was on one of the Larrikin house um workshops and I just was like I'll just say if anybody wants to be on the on totally fit they can and you're straight away hey we should collaborate and that was so nice like you didn't have to do that at all and I'm like oh that's really cool I've never been on somebody else's podcast before (laughs) yeah and I think someone someone I can't remember who it was but someone really early on they had a podcast of their own and they said oh are you sure you want me to come on and talk about my book I mean I'm a you know podcaster with my own podcast I'm like yeah like I'm not in competition with anyone like Mm. there's room for all of us you know and people listen to who they want to listen to you know and if they don't want to listen to me that's cool they'll listen to you or they'll listen to another awesome literary podcast I think there's room for all of us you know I, I don't think but I don't think there's competition because we're so different too yeah like we're yeah. giving giving something different um we may sometimes have the same authors or books on but we'll look at them in a completely different way and yeah. ask different questions and yeah, and it's not about yeah. world domination like it never has been <laughs> otherwise you probably wouldn't go into writing you'd probably go into something that you know creates world domination I know you'd buy oil yeah. or something I don't know <laughs> I don't so, think podcasting is the thing to go into if you right, want to dominate the world. Right. So I just think, you know, celebrate everyone and, you know, it makes you feel good as well, you know, that genuine complimenting people. And, you know, I feel like it's it's just it's one of those little things that you can do that don't cost anything that, you know, can can change a person's day. I mean, how many times have you had someone just say something good to you or nice to you and you were having the mm. worst day and it just changed the direction of that day yeah you know and like imagine make if a you big can, impact on people and sometimes mm. you think about the things people have said to you good or bad 10 20 years later like I still remember mm. what my business studies teacher said to me in year 10 it wasn't nice Kai <laughs> and I still remember do you know what I mean like you remember you remember those moments good or bad mm. and so I think if we can 
even them up a bit. One problem is that when someone says something negative, it stays with you for so long. Yeah. And when someone says something positive, you kind of brush it off. Yeah, we're bad. You know, and you should really be going, yes, they are right. I did look good today. Or <laughs> just you. thank you. You know, I, mm. I find that too. Whenever you get a compliment, I don't know, I think it's a culture in Australia. We're like, oh, no, it's fine. Oh, no, not really. Or, you, yeah, you kind of downplay it. And I really want to get to the point, I'm not there yet, where I can go, thank you. <laughs> you know, just a simple old thank you, but you're always trying to downplay, oh, no, it's not that big a deal, or, oh, no, I worked really hard, or, oh, I hope it's okay, instead of just, you know, I really want to get to that confidence state, I'm way off it, <laughs> just going, thank you so much, I really appreciate that compliment, and, and, and actually My husband that. and I have, um, we, when we're nice to each other and we see the other person blow it off, we're like, take the compliment, <laughs> yes. take it. We're trying to be nice to each other here. Yeah. It's a bit um, of a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird culture I, I don't that we seem have. I to be able to get through a podcast interview without mentioning my husband. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. And he didn't do So it's a bingo. It's a bingo moment. Mm. He's <laughs> make... the man behind the podcast. He does all my editing and technical oh, stuff for me. Wow. So it wouldn't happen without him. Fantastic. Um, which was why when you said you do your own editing, I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't think I could. <laughs> Yes, look, I don't, it's not, I don't make it a complicated process just because I don't have the time, but um, mm. yeah, it's just, this. you know, I have my co-hosts come in and everything and, um, you know, some people will take over as they edit their own, but, you know, you just, you do oh, so what you, you make them do. edit their own. No, not all the time. It depends on the, the deal we've had, you know, okay. <laughs> it depends on the conversation we've had and, um, you know, their skills as well you know so some mm. some of my takeovers oh actually some of them more the spin-offs um not the takeovers really because they're just doing one-off episodes i wouldn't really expect them to yeah. do that i i do ask them to say you know if you want something edited please give me the time that you need yeah. it edited mm. in <laughs> um because i'll often listen to it in the car or something before i put it live but i'm not always you know pen and paper at hand the scheduling to- must be insane with that many spin-offs yeah i've sort of if i i've got them um on my desktop and i i've been dropping three a week so friday is usually a takeover saturday is usually a usual interview or something else and sunday i've been trying to do a bit of kid lit or something but you know Mm. i also don't follow any rules so that's kind of the loose structure but then sometimes if i feel like doing something different i just will (laughs) i think that's what i've been loving about having my own podcast is I have a lot of freedom yeah. in that I can do it whenever I want yeah. within, within reason. Like there's yeah. some times where I've had ne- to negotiate a bit with authors because I work during the day yeah. and it's sort of a little bit difficult, um, but I can speak to who I want. Yeah. Um, although I'm the same, I don't want to say no to anyone. Mm-hmm. So people, I have had to recently say, I'm fully booked out till the end of September. Can you wait till then? And so Mm -hmm. with some people, they haven't responded to that message. um, And others have said, oh, well, I've got this coming out then. Can we do it? So um, me trying to figure out how to say yes to everybody without sort of drowning in a podcast. And the reality is you can't. Um, I guess we just know how hard it is from the other side, you know, but I think Mm -hmm. you have to just have that work balance or you know hobby balance 
and life balance for yourself. And I guess I'm still trying to work that out, you know, and I, and your situations change as well, you know, like my situations changed recently. And so you just have to keep, keep juggling and, and Mm. keep, keep doing what you can. And hopefully people will understand when you need to take a breather, take a break, or sometimes you just can't do that thing right now, you know? Mm. (laughs) But I guess um, it's almost like self-publishing podcasting because it's all your own. Um, so you've got the control mm, mm. if you're willing to say no sometimes. <laughs> it's probably the greatest challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is the greatest challenge because mm. you know how hard it is. Um, and it people. is a bit addictive as well. Like, oh, tell you it's what. like, why can't I say no? Yeah. Why, you know, why am I still doing this? I found that in January I took a full month off interviewing. I did have like a best of series that I put together and I uploaded all of all of January and December. So I didn't sort of have to touch the podcasting for a month. And I remember on the, t- it was late January, I um, John Larkin asked me to interview him for his book launch. And I said, oh, you will do a podcast after that. And I remember this was at the end of January, so I didn't even make it. I was like, oh, I just miss doing this so much. <laughs> you know, so it was a month yeah. off, which I needed for my own space yeah, and mental health. But I mean, I'll do it again. I think. I think January, I'll just take that whole month off and just have a best of series. I think that just works. Yeah. You know, it gives it gives the older podcasts another life, which is great for people mm. who haven't caught up with them yet. And they were the most popular interviews, like you know, listener yep. voted for, I guess. And you know, it gives me a bit of space to do, you know, whatever I'm doing, hanging out with the kids, or trying to do writing, or just I'm not very good at relaxing, but trying to do mm. that. <laughs> I've actually um, next week, this week actually is my first week as part time. So I've dropped down from five days to four days. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband was like, don't fill it. You've got space. Don't fill it up. And because he knows me so well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do that. I know, it's hard not to fill, isn't it? I, I just <laughs> yeah. have continual FOMO and it's a really bad quality, but it's like, I need yeah. to do this and I want to do this and I'll do this. Yeah. Like, I was in Melbourne on the weekend and we went out to the cafe and I'm like, I wanted to go on the rowboat and I want to do that and I want to sit there and I want to do that and I want to go for a walk. And it's like, oh, just calm down. Can't do everything. <laughs> I just want to do everything. You're sort of doing so much at the moment because you're at festivals and you're interviewing and like, um, what did I see? You were up here um, emceeing something recently. And I'm like, oh my God, Danny's everywhere. Where, where was I? Okay. Were you in Brisbane for? Oh, um, yes, we were in Brisbane. The market finders keepers? Yeah, we were in Brisbane. Um, what did we do at the Gold Coast? We just ran around to lots of bookshops and then we visited. Mm-hmm. Um, Gold Coast or Riders, the Gold Coast Riders group. We visited mm. them as well. Um, what else did we do? We did something else. I can't remember. Oh, we did Somerset. Oh, okay, right. And that was brilliant. Somerset was absolutely brilliant. That was a different trip to Brisbane. But so yeah, you're getting, getting to do like face-to-face interviews with authors at festivals. And yeah, I have well. done that before. Yeah, I did words. Yeah. On the, I've done that a couple of times. Words on the waves. Um, they're just mm. they're different because they're they're little interviews. And I did the Shire Festival as well, mm. um, but that was during COVID, and so I just smashed them out at home. Like I remember, I think I had eleven interviews in one day, or back to back to back to back. So that was a marathon. Um, but, yeah, I, I like both. Um, 
the sound's not as good at festivals and that yeah. I think that bothers you when you're a podcaster <laughs> you're like ah oh, the sound um but again it's got that nice vibe behind it you know so that's mm. okay as well so yeah I just um I just particularly you know trying to get Larrigan House into more festivals etc you just want to take all the opportunities you can take because as we know opportunities aren't always there yeah so when they're there I feel like you just need to take them Mm. (laughs) and And you just did the squibby um uh, festival competition yeah yeah we got 140 entries awesome um which is amazing and um i've i've sort of started going through them which is really exciting and so we'll get a short list together and then i shall throw the short list um to james and the team um to get a winner but again you know 140 there's going to be one winner it's again it's that less than one percent statistic you know so um who knows there might be more than one that um you know James gets this idea in his head where he loves a concept and he can't let it go so I'm gonna shortlist um all the ones that I think that the team will will like the concept of or you know the the manuscript and we'll go from there but yeah that's that's what I'll be doing that'll be announced on the 1st of September awesome and the shortlist um shortly before that I guess but yeah it was really great to have this collaboration with Squibby and we're just trying to tap into all the different writing communities and you know we we've obviously known Squibby and Suzanne Gervais for a while but we just had a meeting with her and said you know we love what you do how can we collaborate with you how can we add to the aspiring writers community and um it was actually Suzanne who said let's um do a competition and we said it's a great idea and you know again exceeded our expectations of 140 entries so it's really mm. cool that 140 people you know they want to they want to be part of Larrikin House so that's really cool I missed it <laughs> <laughs> many dead deadlines that fly past yeah um, yeah yeah well I it's going to be annual I'd like to do it again you know I think it's really cool and especially if you know, they, they get a manuscript assessment with James, but imagine if, um, you know, you could get published. You know, oh, I think that would be, be it'd be really cool, you know, it'd be really great mm. to say. And that's what I'd I'd love to, not only with Squibby, but with the um, House of, uh, uh, School of Larrikins, um, you know, I'd love an alumni Mm. to be published you know that'd be so cool to say this person did all these workshops and now they're published with us this person you know entered the squibby competition is now published it's like we'd love to do that so hopefully that's in there that's in our future <laughs> that's what i'd really love to do um there's a few things i'm working on uh, that are a bit top secret but creating opportunities for authors with totally lit um yeah. so um yeah just doing all the research to see how I can create some opportunities yeah. where there's opportunities for people to get published or to win some prizes. And yeah. um, they're all like thoughts in my head that I've got to actually make <laughs> into reality. Um, but yeah, the next steps for Totally Lit is to be more than just a podcast, mm. but to have more yeah, um, ways cool. to, to get authors to have opportunities. So yeah. yeah, no, I like that. And I like that idea too. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I guess we've been doing with Larrikin House too because we want great manuscripts. Mm. You know, we want them. Um, so if we can get them by James telling people exactly what he wants from a manuscript or we can get them through competitions and, you know, yeah. that, that's awesome. 
So, um, yes, well, that, you just answered my next question, what's next for you. So that's really, <laughs> really interesting. And has yeah. your podcast, you know, what were your goals and vision going into it? Um, I just wanted to talk to other authors about their experiences. Um, mm. And really, to begin with, I just said to my husband, do you think I could do a podcast? I'll talk to some authors. Nobody will want to talk or nobody will want to hear me talk for 45 minutes what can I do that will make it interesting, engaging? And I just started reaching out to people that I had met at like retreats and yep. workshops and things. Um, I think my the first person I asked was Edwina Shaw. I sort of sidled up to her and said, I want to do a podcast. Would you be my guest? Yeah, <laughs> because no. I was just like this little mouse. I don't know what was wrong with well, me. That's the um, first, um, the, my first guest was John Larkin and he's still such a great friend of mine. I just love mm. him so much. And, you know, he had, when I was a teacher, he'd come to my school and done these beautiful workshops with kids and he's just so personable. He's just one of those people who you just go, yeah, you're a good human being. Mm. And I asked John, I said, oh, you know, I'm starting this podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, will you be my first guest? And it's still really special that he was the first person that I interviewed. You know, I went to his mm. house for dinner a few months ago and it was just really special to oh, go, nice. oh, like, you know, you're my first <laughs> guest and look what's happened, you know, since then. So, yeah, that's really cool when you do that. It's really cool how far your podcast has come. And, like, I can't even believe I'm sitting here. I'm sitting in my totally lit shirt. I don't know if you can <laughs> see that. I feel like I'm flashing you there, sorry. And I'm like, oh, that's that's come a long way from that little thought in my head mm. to where it is now. Um, yeah. and, I was about and, to say, thank you, Kai. See, I'm practising. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Did not come naturally. <laughs> and you just have just to do it. learn to accept yeah. a compliment and thank say you. thank you. And it's funny because some actually, oh, can I tell you this story? It's really funny. I don't know. It's just weird. So I was on a plane on the way to Melbourne on Friday and I was sitting next to someone and usually I don't talk to anyone on the plane. Right. But this guy, he was just really friendly. And so we just started talking. What do you do? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Somehow we got onto, you know, my podcast. He asked a specific question. I didn't go telling him. <laughs> he just asked a specific question. I think I had something in my lap or topped or something he'd seen. And he's like, oh, cool. My friend, she's a, um, she's does book reviews and i'm like oh cool so anyway he's like oh this is her on instagram i'm like oh cool so i started following her and then nice. he's messaging her because you know the plane was you know not yet taking off obviously we were you know not in airplane mode yet and um he said oh my friend just said she listens to your podcast all the time oh. <laughs> that's so <laughs> cool thought, how cool is this little small world i mean this never happens by the way no one ever knows who you are unless you're at a literary festival um, <laughs> And so he sent her a selfie of us and I'm like, this is really cool. Oh, so I started cool. um, yeah, talking to her on Instagram and just think, you know, the literary world is so cool. <laughs> yes. And you've got to enjoy that. that. Those experiences are like once in a lifetime experiences and you've worked hard. You've got to where you are. Enjoy that. Yeah, and you, you know, just think, because sometimes great. I think, who's listening? You just go, oh, I know. who are these anybody people? listening? But you just think, you look at your stats and like, who are all these people? Like, I have been expecting SoundCloud to call me any day now and go, your stats are wrong, okay, we've made a mistake. <laughs> There's five people listening. Sorry, sorry to create oh, excitement for you. Um, still a five, though. <laughs> yeah, still a five. I'm still happy with but then you, you see people at literary festivals and they, they talk to you and then you see a bit random person on the plane and so you're like, okay, they're out there. They're obviously out there somewhere. 
<laughs> so it's just really funny. But yeah, no, I think what you're doing is great as well. And I love that, you know, similar journey of just that idea in your head. You wanted to sort of recreate who you were and what you do. Um, we both work full time, you know, both children's writers. So I think there's a lot of parallels as well. And we just wanted to have great conversations. Like mm. I never, ever set a goal of I want this many listeners. Like I didn't care when I've got 100 listeners in a month. I was like, oh, my God, 100 people are listening. How cool is that? You know, yep. so never had those kind of lofty, <laughs> you know, aspirations. I just wanted to have cool conversations. And you know what? I just wanted to meet cool people. And when I got to speak to my favorite author, Elliot Pullman on the podcast, nice. I was like, this is why I do this. Like, imagine that. I got to speak to the person who wrote my favourite book, Seven Types of Ambiguity. Like, how cool is that? That is very cool. <laughs> and I think that's, like, one big reward is the conversations. So yeah, you're totally. You're chatting with great people. Yeah. It's interesting and you can sort of click turn off record at the end of that and go, there was so much value in that for yeah. me regardless of anyone listening yeah although I do really want people to listen so <laughs> but I think please listen have, to my podcast but I think what you know what you're in if you love books and you love reading and you're you know trying to write what you're interested in and what you want to know is probably what other people are interested in and what mm. probably other people want to know as well you know like asking people about their process or you know, their, their journey to publishing. Like, I think everyone wants to know that. And I think that was um, clear when Adrian Beck and I did the Publishing Insider spin-off mm. where we spoke to industry insiders and that was like the most successful spin-off ever because yeah. I think people just wanted to hear the same questions we had for publishers and for mm. agents and for booksellers, you know. So we tapped into all those industry professionals asking them the questions we wanted to know and it's the questions everyone wanted to know. And I think those kind of um, interviews are really helpful for people who are submitting as well. Yeah, like they can sure. listen to that interview mm. with whichever publisher it is. Oh, we learned and so find it much. Out. Yeah. yeah, we just learned so much about the industry just from asking these people questions. Mm. And that's then I that's how I pitched my story <laughs> to a publisher, you know. So you just, it is amazing. And I think everything you do in life is about just making those positive connections with people and not to get mm. stuff, just to, to know people in the industry, to have, um, you know, commonalities, to have someone to ask yeah. a question to, to someone to debrief to, to someone just to throw in ideas with, you know, um, and just to someone also to have, you know, that kind of writer empathy with you, you know, when it does get hard and you are getting rejections or you're stuck mm. on a story or whatever the problem is, it's really nice. To have that and I you know I just I can't thank you know when we did the NaNoWriMo series with Tristan Banks Julianne Negri Adrian Beck and Christy Burns like I was the only person who hadn't been published author mm. and I was writing NaNo with them and I just appreciated you know them coming along for the ride um yep. but as well as that they were just always so hugely supportive of you know of me and my writing and no one had paid attention to any of my writing not that I submitted because I didn't mm. feel like I was good enough but it's um, that imposter syndrome yeah. that we all have we're just we're having like, them, oh I haven't yeah. been published yet we're just having you know the caliber of those people beside you going 
just give it a crack Danny like you can do it you know was just it's a game those little things are game changers Mm. you know just having having people give you courage I guess to do it because once you speak to you know like sometimes you think I just spoke to Jackie French why am I writing anything like how can I even (laughs) ever get anywhere near that and so you've got to not you've got to sort of step out of that mindset and go, yeah, Jackie French is amazing. She's a prolific, talented writer. And if you never get to her caliber, which we probably won't, that's okay. You know, everyone's got a little space and a little niche and, you know, it doesn't mean your work is not valuable just because you're not, you know, the person that you've looked up to. So I think, you know, I think there's space for all of us. Um, I think uh, your only job in life is to be you. Yeah. But be the best you can be yeah um, and keep trying to be that better person you know because I think that like when I figured out I was a writer I was like okay I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna go hard yeah mind you I only write every now and then you've got to go hard in relation to your own experience you know and yeah. I don't I don't think we cast we should cast judgments on anybody for what anybody does because you know i always think you're the only person that wakes up to your life each morning only you can make the judgments of what's right and what's going to work for you and your family you know and i think the worst thing is to feel judged by other people so Mm -hmm. you know i really try hard not to do that myself because it's like well it's your life and you're living it and how can i make judgments on something i know very little about you know, mm. I barely know uh, what I'm doing in life. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep myself under control. That's I can't right. be worried about you. That's, right. That's like when people are, you think people are talking about, it's like no one has time to be talking about mm. you because they're busy with their own stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but imagine though, if you went back to the day you thought about, I'm going to start a podcast and you go, oh no, I'm not a published author. Who would want to hear what I have to say? And if you didn't take that step, how different would your life be now? Yeah, yeah it's you know, a, it's I think a scary that everyone thought. just has to take yep. that leap of faith. Yep. If you see a competition you want to enter, even if you know it's like a big lofty competition that yep. lots of just people win, just just do it because yep. if you don't do it, you miss out. I agree, and like I said, we said before, it's worse not to do it. I think it's a great place to end and I just want to give Adam Wallace a shout out because he's got a tattoo that says yes on him and when we went out last time I said Adam I need to ask you what is tell me tell me about this tattoo that says yes and he said I just needed to say yes more in life and ever since I said yes more in life my life's changed Mm. and I just thought wow like that's amazing so I feel like I also need to copy him and get a yes tattoo just to remind yourself to just say yes but not only just say yes to everything say yes to yourself as well you know yes I need to take time out yes I need time for my mental anxiety or you know for my anxiousness or whatever so just saying yes to the right things you know yes to experiences yes to risks but yes to yourself as well the podcast of yes The life of yes but I think I think yeah I think if you if you do say yes to things that you maybe are afraid of I mean they're the most rewarding things and mm. you just can't get hung up on failure you're not going to achieve everything you're not going to have every book published that you write that's okay you know mm. well you know <laughs> rejection's always hard but it's just got to be okay because if you what is worse is not doing it 
Yeah, and I think now the way I look at rejections is, is oh, this is part of the process. Yeah. It's okay to be rejected because all writers do get rejections. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's okay yeah. because that's what happens as part of this process. Yeah, exactly. And when you get the yes, they're so sweet that it's like, well, yes, anything that okay. you've done in your life that's been hard has been the most rewarding, right? Anything, yeah. anything you've ever done, whether it's a university degree or a hard job or having children or building a house or whatever it is that's been really hard and at some point you felt like throwing in the towel, when you finally get there, that has been the, one of the most rewarding things in your life. Hmm. So, yes, keep grinding, I reckon, and say yeah. yes. <laughs> Is that all we've got from the end of this? Keep grinding and say yes. Just say yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Kai. It's been really interesting to chat. I love doing these podcast crossovers. I think you, yeah, you fun. know, you get some introduction to some new audiences and you get to talk about your journey and how similar or how different they are. And, you know, you really get to see, um, you know, they get to talk to podcasters often. So I think it's cool. No, when you do. Yeah, so. it's good to hear how somebody else's experience is with it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. You're really just sitting in a room alone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when people say, how do you get all those listens? It's like, well, I spend a lot of time alone in my study. <laughs> yeah, and it is hard. Like, the promoting a podcast is hard work as well. Like, Yeah, um, it is. You've got to push and, yeah. and you just got to um, keep reminding people, people that exists, I think. Yeah. And social media is one of those things where I tried in the early days, I, I tried to just sort of give it a break and yep. no one listened to the podcast when I gave it a break. Yeah. <laughs> so, And it's just because, you know, you be, people are busy and people just need to keep being reminded that this exists in the world and if, it's there if they want it. And that's yep. what I love about the podcast. It is just it is there if you want it. If you're too busy, it's not imposing on you. It's not yeah. forcing you to watch it. It doesn't pop up on your television. It's there when you want it. And whether you're baking a cake or walking the dog or you're in traffic, it's just there when you want it. And that's what I love yeah. about that. You know, it's about that choice and that actively choosing to do that. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's always there to listen to in a year's time. Yeah. Time. <laughs> Whenever. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for having me on. I've really enjoyed connecting with you and yeah. having interesting conversations. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. And we just kept talking. We could probably talk for another hour, but we should probably oh, goodness. call it a day. Shut up already. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, guys. It's been really fun. <laughs>